feeling it. I'm feeling it this week. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week, HelloFresh, Brooklinen, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's cruising into the end of the year, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited to watch the ball drop here on the year 2076, as 2077 <laughs> is just mere moments away. The countdown has started. Yeah. My 80 gig day one patch hard drive space is ready or whatever it's going to end up being. That's <laughs> yeah, the last episode before 2077, uh, the year we've all been anticipating. <laughs> <laughs> Everything looks great in that year. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. My, Everybody looks happy. Uh, it looks like my understanding year. is that uh, that'll be the year that all the rays are traced. Right, that's my understanding. <laughs> um, oh my gosh, I'm excited. What, what a time. What a time to be alive uh, this end of 2020. We got, if ever there was a time to play... It is now. We have too many games. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we got, it's the end of the year. It's, it's, the, it's the crunch of games releasing. But luckily, we have an awesome guest to get through all of it with us. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, I'm so excited because DLC stands for debuting the Lego cast. Because from the brand new Bits and Bricks podcast, as well as the long-legged beasties horror podcast, you know him, video game journalist extraordinaire Brian Crescente is back with us. Hey, Brian. Hey, man. I, I know she said that they knew me, but you didn't say that they loved me. That hurts. Oh, they, <laughs> they love you. Believe me, oh, they love no, you, Brian. That was just my request. I like like you. Um, you oh, I got it. It's not. I, it's I not got that slip of paper, but I saw it. It didn't get passed all the way back to me in the back of class, so I didn't have a chime to check yes or no. So that, that's me. I'm sorry. That's my. It's fault. okay. It's okay. You know what? If they didn't, if they don't love you before the show, by, by the end of the show, love. I promise. <laughs> I, I know it. I have no doubt. No doubt. Fantastic. Um, let's start by talking about this. What seems to me like a dream job. Uh, you're now hosting the brand new. I mean, it's it's debuting like this week. The brand new Bits and Bricks Lego podcast, which is a, the official Lego podcast talking about Lego and its digital forms and sort of the history of Lego. What an amazing job. Yes, uh, it is. It is. It's uh, so it's Lego games uh, podcast and it's it's a podcast dedicated to sort of it's keyed up to the 25th anniversary of the ve very first ever Lego video game, which I'm sure nobody on, on this podcast has ever played or uh, even listening. It was for the Pico, which right there puts it in a go. The Sega Pico, which is a educational. Oh yes. Uh, and it was released only in Japan. So that, that window keeps getting narrower and narrower, but the one that people will remember the second game, 
was Lego Island. And that's the one that I think a lot of people have fond memories of. But yeah, yeah tons and tons of Lego games out there. And they're Did all you amazing. know about the Pico Lego game before you started this project? Did you discover that or was that something you were aware of? Uh, I was un- completely unaware. In fact, <laughs> yeah. in fact, if you had asked me before I started doing this and, and I've been doing this for a little bit now, I would have, I, I knew, I knew probably in the back of my head that there were other Lego games, but in my mind, TT games was like, they're the ones who made Lego games. Those right. Were Lego yeah. Games. And like, that's, you know, they make fantastic Lego games, but that's absolutely not the case. They make, there are tons of other games that weren't made by TT and are continue to not be made by TT. So it's a very broad uh, swath of games out there. So you learned a lot in this process as well. And I was reading some of the uh, promotional material that's, a ton. It says what? Uh, over uh, two hundred and seventy-five people. Uh, you you interviewed one hundred and twenty people. Two hundred and seventy-five people were researched. Uh, more than fifty total games and eleven terabytes of data collected and archived. Yeah, what? it's insane. <laughs> it's it's so funny because it's um, it's like the half of my job, you know, journalism is sort of two jobs. It's reporting and writing. And so like my reporting switch got stuck on, <laughs> like yeah. I just, I kept reporting and I never did any writing. Uh, um, so yeah, it's been really interesting. I've been doing this for, I don't know, I think 15 months now. Um, and, uh, it, it's a contract job. So I, I do other stuff as well, but, uh, it has been a big chunk of what I've been doing. And it's, uh, I think it's amazing <clears throat> that, the Lego group was interested in this because they, they have a, they, they really respect their history mm. and, uh, they have, uh, a lot of amazing stuff they do. They have something called the idea house. They have their, they have this underground, underground archives where they keep all of their, you know, all the things that have to do with the Lego group. Uh, but one of the things that they, I think weren't as, um, um, I don't know, I weren't as, as good at collecting was sort of the digital stuff. Um, yeah. and so things happened to align and, and I, funny enough, I'd been sort of bugging some of the people at the Lego group for a while about writing a story about the history of Lego games. Little did I know. Um, and 25th anniversary was rolling around and, and they were like, Hey, you know, would you be interested in coming and just doing some research and, you know, we'll see what happens after that. But we, we actually are very interested in sort of archiving some of this information. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a very, it's a dream job, but it's also very weird because like I'd be finished with an interview and I would just want to explode because it was like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. And like, there was no one for me to talk to about it. <laughs> it was all under wraps still. Was, yeah. 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 Um, and so, yeah, so they decided that they wanted to do this podcast and, uh, uh, with the, the original project and with this one, I've been working with this, uh, talented documentarian named Ethan Vincent, as well as a bunch of people at Lego, at the Lego group. And, um, basically we started coming up with ideas for a podcast. We ended up with something that's kind of like a, um, uh, an audio documentary because it's not, it's like a bunch of interviews. He, uh, we then cut them up and, uh, present all the facts, but we also include interviews and, and things like that and uh, have come up with a lot of really interesting topics. There'll be a total of, I think, 11 of them. And and the first one airs um, this week, which is, uh, I'm trying to think, I think it airs the, I, I shouldn't say air because that's not <clears throat> in fact true. <laughs> it's right. Not, yeah. <laughs> it's not airing. There will be yeah. no air involved, but I think it's a ninth. <laughs> Um, and there's uh, AirPods, so I think yes. you know that in yeah. that, in that no, sense, okay. maybe perhaps. That 
But but yeah, I can't go into details, but I can tell you it is about uh, the work that the Lego group did with Mojang uh, on a Minecraft game involving Lego bricks that was never released. And we got like full access. I actually even played the the alpha not even the oh, alpha wow. prototype i guess but uh yeah was able to you know get all the details on what what it was why it didn't happen it, it was it's a sort of uh level of detail and access that you don't expect to get like it's very rare i think for a studio to say oh yeah this is why it failed yeah or or it didn't happen or whatever and that's exactly what we were able to get which is amazing i think that's really cool so not only did you get to play or or see or research or find out about all these obscure Lego games, as well as the Lego games we all know about on a, probably a level of detail that none of us have experienced, but also all of these, what ifs, all of these, you know, might've been, is, is, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it, it really is. And it's interesting. Uh, it's actually, I had this funny moment where I was um, talking to the people at, at the Lego group. There are like three or four people I deal with pretty frequently and I was asking for some information and they were like, uh, Brian, you're the only one who would know that. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> no, that's what you want. You want to be indispensable to the Lego corporation. Yeah, you know? it just, it's such a weird, it's such a weird feeling though, right? To be like, <laughs> I, how did I become an expert in a year and a half on, on this thing? <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I'm excited to check it out. Um, it's called Bits and Bricks, right? With the N, Bits yeah. and Bricks. And, bits and uh, Bricks. Anywhere you get podcasts, right? Yeah, it'll be it'll be on all the things. It's also on Lego.com. They actually, uh, if you go to their games page, they have they have a neat uh, page set up for it. So it'll have all the podcast episodes and really cool timeline on there that has uh, sort of highlights uh, 25, 26 uh, games from the last 25 years and, and sort of why they were important to the history. Very cool. All right. Well, let's jump into the show now and start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send us comments, questions, uh, reviews, your own personal reviews of games. If you think we overlooked something that needs highlighting on the show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also visit our subreddit that's five by five dlc.reddit.com or our discord which is five by five dlc.discord. I think C was it CC? Is it it's not dot com. Anyway, the Discord is five by five DLC. Um Brian, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Wow. Uh, I'm I'm going to cheat and use one that I spotted that I think you guys were looking at as well, which is uh, the fact that Oscar Isaac is going to be starring in Solid Snake. Uh, sorry, I'm sorry, as Solid Snake in the Metal Gear Solid movie, which I think is amazing. Yeah. What a thing. Uh, the Metal Gear Solid movie, which I think was announced all the way back in 2012 as being a movie that was going to happen. Uh, is still, I guess, several years, uh, well, maybe not several years, but it's still a ways out. Like they haven't started shooting. There's no announced release date. There's no, none of that stuff. And the movie industry is topsy turvy right now. So who knows, but 
that doesn't mean that uh, there's not going to be this Sony Pictures, Metal Gear Solid film. Um, Deadline and The Hollywood Pro- Reporter are both confirming that Oscar Isaac is going to play Solid Snake. So, first of all, what do you think, Brian, of a Metal Gear Solid movie? What should it be like? Are you excited about that? Do you think... It has the potential to be a great film. And then how do you think Oscar Isaac uh, will will be as Solid Snake? Do you think it's a good choice? So coincidentally, I, uh, I've had the, the, the luck of uh, interviewing Ari Arad, who is uh, one of the producers on the movie. His father, uh, Avi Arad, is also a producer on it. I've also interviewed Oscar Isaac and Jordan Vought-Roberts, who is the director. So – Having wow, you, all the pieces, none yeah. of them about this. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, actually, uh, I did talk to Ari about this, and I, I think, I think, like the these are all good, good pieces for a excellent puzzle. I don't know why I'm sticking to this puzzle analogy, but I'm going to. Um, but like, uh, obviously, we all know Oscar Isaac is amazing, and like, I, I'm sure any role he takes on, he's going to do a great job. So I'm not worried at all about him. Um, what's interesting is when I was talking to Ari about um, turning video games into movies, uh, this was a, a few years back. One of the things he said was that it, it's his firm belief that you really have to, in doing this, you have to try to capture the feel of playing the game and not necessarily just retell the story. Um, interesting. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, you know, m- it was a very sh- relatively short conversation. It was an interview, but it wasn't, you know, this long drawn out conversation, but I was left with the feeling that he had a good idea, a good handle on how to approach this and understood that as, as he and his father did with the uh, comic book movies, cause they were some of the first people to make good comic book movies that, you know, this medium has to be approached in a different way. Um, so and you're so, saying that when um, in the movie when Oscar Isaac fights Psycho Mantis, you have to leave the theater and go into a different theater, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and actually, when you go when you go to to watch this movie, you're going to end up in, in fact playing the movie for three fourths of of the movie. Do you get the deep cut I'm doing there? <laughs> yeah. I'm flipping it a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it'll be much more playing than watching. Right, a, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, and then, uh, Jordan Vaught Roberts is like, he, man, that guy loves video games. And if you've ever seen anything he's done, he really, you could tell he's like, he's it's, it's in his blood. He he is part of a group of directors coming up now who, you know, live and breathe video games. And because of that, I think their creations are sort of already sort of soaking in that culture. So like yeah. go watch Kong Skull Island. There are so many call callbacks to different video games that are really subtle, but they're in there. And like if anybody can make this work, I think he can make it work. Kong Skull Island I think is super underrated. It's actually a very entertaining movie. I I, I had a good time with it. Yeah. Uh Christian Spicer, I know you are a big Metal Gear Solid fan. And I guess we're in the post video games make bad movies world, right? We've, we've kind of transcended that. There wasn't, I don't think one movie that did it, but in a year where one of the best movies in theaters was Sonic the Hedgehog, I guess you have to admit that we're sort of post, you know, video games automatically equal bad movie. So what do you, what do you think about this? Do you think the Metal Gear Solid franchise uh, makes for a good film franchise? Uh, 100%. 
I mean, look at Bond or Jason Bourne or, you know, any of these uh, John Wick, Atomic Blonde, uh, Atomic Blonde probably more so than John Wick, but Atomic Blonde more so based off of Coldest City, the the graphic novel that it's uh, based off of in terms of like being an espionage and, and thriller in that regard. But yes, I mean, it, it, it. and as Brian, you know, alluded to in reverse, the games are very cinematic. They're not, it's not, it's not like, how would you visualize that Donkey Kong as a movie? It's like, you can see it. So I think the challenge will be, again, as Brian mentioned, the challenge for a lot of these things is bringing it into a new medium. But I think, I also think that uh, Oscar is is now, or they're not out yet, but poised to kind of be on that throne, or at least on the Olympic podium for, um, it feels weird to call it geek because it's just mainstream. You can't be like, I'm such a geek. I love Avengers. And it's like, yeah, everybody did. It was huge. Um, (laughs) But like, so he's Star Wars. He's Dune. He's Moon Knight. He's Snake. That's a pretty good pantheon of geek uh, icons. Oh, yeah. My favorite part about this announcement, though, are, are... And it's, uh, you know, blame, air quote, blame Kojima, where it's like uh, Oscar Isaac plays, uh, set to play Snake. Here's a picture of Big Boss. Here's a picture of, it's like no one, because like the the game that Kojima played for so long of who is Snake? Who is Solid Snake? All these different snakes. And it's like, that's not the character. Is it the character? I don't know what 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 story are they telling? But it's- We we, We definitely need a Kurt Russell cameo as Big Boss, right? Or just somewhere, right? Like, yeah, like he's one of the snakes that this snake taps into and he gets the powers of all of the snakes that have died in the past. And you get, I'm just kidding. Uh, But somewhere, somewhere he's got to be in there. We need that. Maybe as a big planet or something. I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of alluding to the fact that the storyline in these games is how shall we say a little uh, complicated. Yeah. Maybe that's the kind way to put it. It's, it's, does I you know I guess we've gotten in the post Marvel world where really esoteric geek concepts are now mainstream. I guess it doesn't matter, but does it matter, Brian? What do you think? Does the the just the pure kind of craziness that is Metal Gear Solid should that be the movie, or should they strip that away and kind of make it a more conventional? type of uh espionage film what do you think yeah i mean i i think that they i think they would be best served by not trying to recreate an existing storyline i'm trying to say this in the kindest way possible (laughs) (laughs) solid movie i think those those movies are are uh, games see it was a, a freudian slip uh those games are a little bit convoluted and hard to follow um yeah and I think I think what you do, and and I think that goes back to what uh, uh, Ari was sort of alluding to, and that is you have to kind of get the essence of Metal Gear Solid and turn it into its own thing. Like, also, I, you know, I don't know if I want to watch, uh, you know, any any video game being retold as a movie that it's a one for one, you know, plot. Like, it's not like a book. I don't I don't right. want to see that happen. I don't find that interesting. I don't think. Honestly, that's my. My feeling about what we're hearing about the Last of Us TV yeah, show, you know, right. I, I know they keep saying there's there's going to be it's going to be fleshed out. There's going to be new characters and the world is going to be even more robust and there'll be side stories. But I heard there's a whole episode about a podcast host that just kind of weasels himself into the episode. He's in the background at one. You hope. And you just made such hope. a fuss, such a fuss during production that they gave him a whole episode. Um, anyway, I, 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 I've heard it's me. 
Um, <laughs> I've, heard <laughs> I've heard it's me. I've heard it's me. Isn't that how uh, the secret works? I, think I don't know. I don't know how these rumors start. It's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, that's the idea is that it's the first game, right? Is at least the first right. season of this yeah. TV show. And you'll have all these extra things uh, evidently that'll, that'll flesh it out. But my whole objection to that concept in, in, you know, in theory, because we don't, we haven't seen it happen. Maybe it'll be amazing. Maybe it'll be wonderful, but it's not like doing a comic book. It's not like doing a novel where, oh my gosh, this thing that has only existed in my head is now flesh and blood and moving around in a video game. I've already seen as close to photo real as video games can get trying to present that with actors acting and, you know, dialogue, dialoguing and all the things that happen in movies happening already in the video game, especially Naughty Dog's video games. So it worries me a bit that it'll just feel a bit like a rehash. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm on your I agree with you, Brian, is what I'm saying. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. I, it'll be interesting. It sounds like this Metal Gear project is uh, a ways off and, right. um, you know, it remains to be seen. But Oscar Isaac certainly is like. Signing him means that he thinks the material is strong enough that he wants to be associated with it. So I think that already is a kind of a vote of confidence, too. Yeah. I mean, they've got a good lineup. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Christian, what is your story of the week? Uh, Since it is the eve of a new year, um, as we are winding down 2076, I think what's really interesting to me is this story. And it's been talked about before. And now it's kind of coming closer and closer. But Cyberpunk 2077 having a multiplayer component, not a mode, piece, chunk, not at launch, but soon, thereabouts. And they're talking about it a little bit more, um, calling it a separate dedicated production, a big production, right? It started as, um, I think it was just like a concept that a small like skunk group was working on or something like that. Like, then it became this bigger thing. It got a bigger budget. It's not going to make launch. And I think what makes this story equally as interesting now as we're on the eve of the single player game coming out is also as it relates to red dead redemption 2 or i guess red dead online getting its own standalone release like Mm -hmm. literally separate from the game now and i'm curious jeff your take on kind of that idea of a multiplayer component and how tied it needs to be to the game at all or if it can live on its own or does it depend on getting people into the narrative first to come, you know, do whatever they're going to do around uh, 2077? It's an interesting idea. I think we're seeing this more and more. I mean, even Call of Duty has sort of flirted with this idea of making it two distinct products. And I think I think you're going to see that with Halo a bit as well, where they're kind of talking about these things being their own little little worlds that that interact in ways, but are mostly standalone products. Um, and we've seen obviously great success with those rockstar games. You mentioned uh, specifically GTA five, where, you know, it constantly sells more copies than anything in that, in the known universe, primarily because people are playing that multiplayer and the multiplayer wasn't there at launch, right? This is, this is the, Cyberpunk 2077 template, I believe, is that they're going, hey, if we build a compelling multiplayer component and release it, you know, six months to a year after the the single player game, 
it just lengthens the lifespan of our game as it did with GTA 5. Because GTA 5 came out, it was a big single-player game, and sold a bunch of copies, and then, you know, it sold exponentially more because people are into the multiplayer. And if they can re- replicate that kind of success, then I think that's what they would want. Um, it's fascinating. Brian, what do you make of this? I mean, yeah, the, like you look at the impact that Grand Theft Auto Online had on Rockstar. Um, that game, how how old is GTA V? <laughs> like how long is that? Seven years? No, I, I think it's something like that. Yeah, I think it might be more. I think it might be eight yeah, it and launched the same time we started this podcast. Like we went like hand in hand. Yeah, and it's like it's still raking in cash, and uh, you know it's because of it's not that people are going out to buy GTA or, or I think you can now buy it on its own. But for a while, it wasn't that people were going out to buy GTA Five to play the story, which is great. It was I, I think they were doing it because they wanted to play online, and like you know you in this era of sort of um online constantly connected always evolving gaming uh i think it's crazy for you to invest the amount of money that uh, cd project red is in something like cyberpunk and not do a massive online component like you have to and yeah it could just print money for them like huge amounts of money well you were correct it was seven years september 17th 2013 was the release of grand theft auto 5 so we're we're past a seven-year mark and it's still, you know, it was like in the top five <laughs> MPDs, you know, that it's, entire period of seven it years. It's crazy. It is crazy. And like, it's so easy to forget. It's like, a, you know, it's like how people forget sometimes that Roblox is as big as it is. Yeah. It's like yeah. when you actually look at the numbers, it's like, it's astounding that that game is still doing what it's doing seven years later. And like, it's, it's coming out online is going to be available on next gen, right? I believe they've said that. Yeah. So that would mean it's gone across what three platforms, three generations, yeah, three generations. That's, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It talk. is. It is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that was like one of the big announcements. Was like we're getting GTA Five online on on next gen platforms. It's like, wow. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if they can replicate that, I think they would be very, very pleased. Of course. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what that multiplayer is. You know, it's. It it is a first person game. Is it going to be a first person shootery kind of kinetic experience? Um, is it going to have elements of that role playing system in it? Is it going to be a big open world like GTA's is? You know exactly how all that work. I think remains to be seen. They say uh, there will be more news about the multiplayer experience for Cyberpunk sometime in Q1 of 2021. But they say the actual standalone product may not even hit in calendar 2021 uh, and maybe a 2022 release which is again indicates that they're in this for the long haul right that this is they they want that seven year <laughs> lifespan that gta uh is is showing is possible so uh i i think it could be cool i mean i'm not i'm much more excited about a single player game um and i would be much more excited if they're saying you could play through cyberpunk co-op with people or have a shared universe in some way of the single player content, which I don't think this is what that is Um, because I'm just not, you know, not as into the competitive multiplayer side, but you know, a lot of what makes the GTA experience so compelling for people is that it is everything, right? It's, it's a big sandbox that allows you to have all kinds of wild, different kinds of fun. And when you build a world that is as robust and, and detailed as it seems they have done here, um, maybe that's 
the draw. Maybe it is just letting you run wild in that crazy world that they built. Uh, and I think that could be pretty fun with a, with a bunch of friends. So yeah. we'll find out, I guess we'll find out. Christian, are you excited about this? Yeah. I mean, I, I have a lot of questions still. Right. And, and I kind of, as they've been talking about it, um, I think it leads to more questions. So I think is good PR and hype building, but I think it has the potential to be very cool. And I think they've shown as a studio while not multiplayer, but their willingness to support games over the long haul and big, meaningful ways. So if they're going to put those kinds of resources behind doing something multiplayer and, and cyberpunk, I think you have this awesome looking city full of places to go and things to get, you know, <laughs> places to get into trouble. I, yeah. I think it could be a big hit. Yeah. Well, as you've mentioned, Christian, a number of times, we are on, you know, cyberpunk Eve. Um, supposedly that I've heard that we'll be getting codes early next week. So Maybe even by the time you all are listening to this episode, uh, we'll be playing a bit of it, but we'll all definitely be playing it by Friday, which is the 10th when it is releasing. Although, you know, you never know. There could still be a delay at the last minute. You no, never know. I mean, they put out that worldwide map like it's the 9th at 4 p.m. I think here in LA. Yeah, you're right. Like, it is the 9th at 4 p.m. That's right. In, in North America, it is. Um, that's exciting. So that being said, having played zero of it at this moment, I thought it might be fun for all three of us to kind of go on the record and make some uh, make some predictions. Uh, do you think, Brian, this game lives up to the hype? Do you think that you are going to love it? I mean, are you going to play it? I guess is the is the first question I should ask. And and what is your what is your feeling about? I mean, it just seems like this is one of those meteorite hitting the earth kind of game releases. Uh, do you I think hope it'll not? That went very <laughs> bad last I time. I would be able to play it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know if you guys heard, but CD Projekt Red has some weird, <laughs> weird promo stuff going on. Uh, um, what do you What do you think, Brian? What do, What do you What are your What's your prediction on this one? Yeah, I mean, I it, it's weird. I, like, I'm definitely, I definitely want to play it. I'm all on board. However, I have not finished a single Witcher game. And it's <laughs> it's not because they're not fantastic games. They are fantastic games. It's that I just don't have the time. Like I can, yeah. the investment is just uh and I've I've purchased I've purchased The Witcher on every platform thinking, okay, maybe maybe if I'm playing it on this platform, I'll have time. Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. no, it doesn't come with the time machine. <laughs> but on the switch, I can just take it wherever I want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you still don't have time to pull out your switch. Asleep. Anyway. <laughs> it's the yeah, only yeah. difference. Yeah. Right. So it's like, yeah. And so, yeah, on the one hand, I am super excited because like cyberpunk by the people who did the Witcher, like that's, that's amazing. That sounds fantastic. But like, you know, uh, I, I, this, this is making me sound old, but like, if I was in college, I'd be so stoked for this, move, this game right, right? now. Yeah. Cause I would be like, uh, I'm going to skip some classes. I'm not going to go to work. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I yeah. Don't, I don't have class anyway. So I'm like, I'm like school in summer. No class. I know it's, it, I need to be able to skip some parenting moments. That's what I need to skip. If we could skip parenting, like I skip classes at, uh, in college, I'd be, It'd be yeah. awesome. I'd It'd be, be a terrible parent is what I would be. Is what I, um, <laughs> but I, I do, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I do think that it is going to be a phenomenal game. I think it's going to live up to, maybe it won't live up to the hype because the hype has gotten a little out of control, but I think it's, yeah. it's going to be a very well-received game. I think people are going to love it. I think though it will be like the Witcher. There'll be a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, man, it's, it's in that pile of shame now of games I yeah. started and didn't finish. 
but go ahead. Yeah, I think I think you're right in that it they will like just by sheer force of will and time and effort. I mean, this game has been in development for so long. I, I I can't imagine that studio would be unaware that they were putting out a bad game or a, a game that that didn't live up to at least um, their own high expectations. So I suspect it'll be a marvel on a number of levels um my worry with myself and this is just because i've been anticipating it a lot i'm such a huge fan of the studio uh i i've now built a pc for that game like so excited i'm i'm a teensy bit worried that the tone of the world is gonna turn me off a bit um i'm a little worried that cyberpunk as a product as a pre-existing tabletop role-playing series that was created in the 80s was created as like a horny 14-year-old boy's version of what the future was going to look like. You leave the fifth element out of this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But that it'll be so true to its source material that it'll feel a little icky playing it. Uh, I don't... I don't know that that's going to be case. That's my only worry. That's my only worry is that I'll be like, I kind of just don't like being here. And this game is asking me to be here for hundreds of hours. Don't know if I, I, I hope I'm wrong. And I, I kind of expect to be wrong. I expect it's going to be sophisticated and interesting and varied and, and full of wonderful stories. Um, but that's my only worry. Uh, what about you, Christian? Yeah, I, I think it will live up to the hype. Um, the only way I think it might not is on last-gen consoles. Um, I, I don't know, but I could see, like, if anywhere it maybe doesn't, it's like, oh, in this firefight, it went down to 15 frames per second, you know, or something like that, like trying to Well, there's run. that news story that the, the CD Projekt Red said, I mean, and again, you know, this is the source is inside the company, but... Uh, they said it's it runs surprisingly well on last gen consoles. Yes, so, yes, yes, and I hope it does. I, I'm saying if there is like a, you know, a hole in the screen where bugs can get in, it would be on on those older consoles. Um, I think it will live up to the hype. I think it will. Um, I, I agree with you that I think it might be more challenging than something like The Witcher, while The Witcher certainly had. Um, a lot of political themes in it um, and how the witchers are treated certainly is a, is a, a common theme in that game and in those books um, and everything else that the other, you know, humans do aside from the monsters. It is a world full of political turmoil and treating people poorly. Uh, maybe it's just the way I contextualize it. It's like this high fantasy setting I'm outside or I'm in this, mead hall it feels different than in a kind of dystopic future that's like i see you know like oh i could be here Ooh, this feels dirty um i don't know if it will get me down or not like i feel like i have been so locked down over these last eight months that initially i felt that way like i had a hard time i really loved the dlc to um the big expansion to the division two. And I think I got that. I think it came out like March 3rd and we locked down March 10th. And I was like, you can't, I can't play this game anymore. Got a (laughs) virus gone rampant as I shoot people and people are awful to each other, but I've been here for so long now that I I'm okay with brutal escapism again, I think. Mm, Interesting. And I I think that's saying a lot about me more than anything else, but there was a period where I couldn't enjoy media. I would just, 
what would I do when I was done with work and parenting? Look at a clock. <laughs> I just couldn't do. And, and I've found a way to enjoy things again. And I think for me, the, the balance that I'll need to find is how much, how, how I'm curious to see how it balances the, what I anticipate to be the heavier RPG elements with, and maybe this goes into how it could not live up to some people's expectations. The trailers they've shown so far are pretty bombastic. And I'm, I, I could see people being like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to go in there and shoot, shoot this, and I'm going to do this, and I'll take this person and slap their face, and I'm going to do this. And then you really play, and it's like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to read this dialogue tree for 10 minutes. I'm going <laughs> to customize this. I haven't moved in and out, you know. So I'm yeah. curious how they balance it. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting. I'm pretty excited about it myself. Uh, we will be talking about it, I guess. You know, basically for the rest of the year <laughs> and probably beyond that, uh, or maybe for the next seven years if CD Projekt Red has their way. Um, my story of the week uh, is one we've talked about a little bit before, but now it's official. Super Nintendo World theme park is opening in Japan in February, February fourth, twenty twenty one. It seems weird to even talk about a theme park uh, as COVID is spiking again here in the United States. But other parts of the world, it turns out, not as dumb as us about some things. And uh, maybe uh, maybe these, these vaccines will actually uh, pull us out uh, from this catastrophe that we're living in. Either way, it sounds like the Super Nintendo World theme park will officially open its doors on February 4th, 2021. They have released official photos and some video uh, showing off some of the interiors. We saw those spy photos and we speculated on those uh, several weeks ago when, when people were um, circulating, you know, aerial like drone photos of the, of the theme park being finished. But these are official photos of Bowser's castle, which has like this giant statue of Bowser inside it. And uh, the, the, some of the rides, the Mario Kart ride, um, it, originally, by the way, this was supposed to debut alongside the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, which did not happen, of course, because of COVID. Uh, and also originally, there were going to be um, satellite versions of this. Uh, this one, of course, in Japan, in Tokyo, but the uh, that at Universal Studios uh, Japan, I guess. Um, there were going to be ones in Orlando, in Hollywood, and in Singapore, but now we don't know if any of those are going to be actually completed. The one in Orlando, they halted production indefinitely because of the pandemic. So we don't know if that will be um, completed at all or scrapped. But Japan, excuse me, Japan is opening its doors February 4th, 2021. Brian, did you get a chance to see some of these pictures? Yeah, uh, it looks amazing. It also feels a little bit like a, a monkey's paw wish where you're like, <laughs> you're like I want a Super Nintendo World theme park. And they're like, sure, but it'll be during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do I also get Frogert? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's no yeah. good. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks amazing. And like, you know, if you've ever been to any of the things that they've done at the at, – uh, this is uh, – it's universal, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like the – you know, they're um, – the Harry Potter stuff is unbelievable if you've been to that. So, man, I would love to see this in Orlando or, or Hollywood. Not that I, you know, wouldn't want to take the trip to Japan. It's just a little easier if it's a little closer. But yeah, yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to one day first leaving my house, but also then 
going to a theme park and enjoying something like this because it looks amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's almost a weird thing to even look at images of a theme park today. And I go, oh, just the idea of going to a, a place like that, it seems fantastical eight months into lockdown. Uh, but Christian, we, you know, we talked about this before when we saw the, the spy photos, but these are official shots. And oh my, does it look really, really cool. What do you think? Yeah, I was just excited to finally see uh, Mario and Bowser and Mario Kart in HD with these pictures, you know, for the first. I'm kidding. Um, zing. Zing. I mean, Take they, that Nintendo. They, they honestly, of course, they look better than the spy shots, but these real pictures look better than the renders. <laughs> like, it looks <laughs> so like there were renders of, you know, what the theme park's going to look like that kind of leaked out too. They look so good. That Mario Kart ride sounds incredible. Uh, it, it all looks great. I mean, yes, it, it is 100% as Brian said. It's it's the monkey paws wish. Like you get it at the time. When, <laughs> and now I finally have time to read all these books. Um, yeah, step on the glasses. Yeah, it, it looks incredible. I hope I hope it does well. I hope it's people are safe, and I hope that it. Most importantly and selfishly for me, I hope it comes to the Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'd love to go visit the uh, the Japan site at some point, but it just seems like. I mean, as difficult as as it is to imagine going to a theme park now, it's even more difficult to imagine getting on an airplane and flying to Japan. It's just uh, it just seems like a impossible wish. But hopefully, at some point, I would love to experience it first person. You know, yeah. Um, I think uh, it looks really cool. And I think the thing that's so amazing about those, like the Harry Potter and um, what's the other thing that they have at Universal? That's so they have Simpsons um, World out here too. Do they have Simpsons? Where I've actually haven't seen that one. The one in Orlando has the uh, Avatar. Uh, has oh, that- right. Yes, I've been. I would love to visit that. Man, so I mean, the rides are cool. They're amazing, absolutely amazing. But just as amazing is just how meticulously detailed the settings are. Like you don't have to go on the rides; you just wander around, and it's just yeah. It's it's just crazy how real everything looks, and you know being dropped into those places. And I can imagine just how crazy it would feel being dropped into, you know, Super Mario world. That's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, Our our friend, uh, Trisha Hershberger tweeted something that I thought was clever. She said, are are all the concession stands just selling mushroom based food? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's a little disgusting, but you know, they can maybe pull it off. Um, yeah. Anyway, February 4th, 2021, it's going to be here before you know it. Uh, I'm sure we'll get lots of YouTube videos of, people who are, uh, you know, either recounting or showing directly the experience of being there. So I'm kind of excited to even experience it a bit vicariously. All right, uh, let's uh, move on and talk about the games that we have been playing. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh my goodness. You've heard me talk about Squarespace for over a decade because I've been using it for over a decade. Personally, my my website, jeffcanada.com, Built on Squarespace, I recommend Squarespace to all my friends and family whenever they need a website because it's the easiest way to do anything on the web, to turn your cool idea into a new website, to showcase your work, to blog or publish content, even to sell things. It's so simple to build an online storefront with Squarespace. It's all just drag and drop. What you see is what you get. You start with one of their incredible templates that are made by their world-class designers. And then you just start making it your own. You start moving stuff around. It's so simple. You don't need to know HTML. You don't need to pay someone a large fee to build your website for you. You can do it 
yourself. And you can make it look really great. You can make it look completely unique. It doesn't have to look anything like their templates by the time you're done, but it will look awesome. And you, like I said, you can drop in e-commerce functionality. It's so simple to make it all work the way you want it to work. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box. You don't have to worry about that. You never have to upgrade or patch anything. That all happens in the background. They have free and secure hosting. And if you run into any problems, 24-7 award-winning customer support there to help out. Make it yourself. You don't have to rely on anybody else. You can do it yourself with Squarespace. Head over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. And then you can get a free trial. You don't even have to give them your credit card. They're not going to automatically charge you at any point. You can use your your, use their tools, build your website. And then when you're done, you're ready to launch your website, use our promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. So that's squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me and the promo code Jeff sent me for 10% off. All right, it is time to talk about the games that we have been playing. And Brian, I know you have been busy, busy, busy with uh, Lego stuff, but I'm curious what you've been playing lately. So uh, in my free time, I love to collect handheld, handheld gaming systems. And and just recently, I started trying to find, like, what was the one game to play on each handheld system? Um, and so I picked up, this isn't probably the one game it's close though. I picked up Legend of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse for the Game Gear. Uh, Mm, I've been playing through that. Man, those games, those old Disney games, I mean, the new Disney games are good too, but those old Disney games for like the Game Boy and the Game Gear, they are so much fun. I'm having so much fun playing through this. So I want to dig into this a bit. First of all, what is it about handheld systems that makes you want to focus on them for collecting? You know, I think it's just like ever since I was a little kid, just the notion that you could take a system with you wherever you went and play games on the go has always sort of fascinated me. I just love like little technical, you know, gadgets. I, I've always loved mm. that kind of stuff. And so yeah. um I started – I, I in, in doing game journalism for a while, I had things, some uh, odd – handhelds like i have both engages and have the tap wave and the gizmondo and you know i have of course from my childhood i have things like the the game boy and stuff like that but then i started like looking around and before i knew it you know i I don't know how many i have i probably have like 70 handhelds wow Um, i have a lot (laughs) you collect like the the old game and watch stuff too no, I, I well, I, I have I have a game and actually I have two game and watches. I also have a Russian knockoff, which I think is even better. It's by Electronica, uh, wow. and it's a Mickey Mouse. Though I like to pretend that it's Mikel Mouse. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> you want to play Mikel Mouse? Uh, you will really enjoy the machine. <laughs> um, but incredible. yeah, they're just they're just so much fun. And like going back, it is uh, you know some some systems like you know you look at uh some of the game boy games there's some fantastic game boy games but there's a lot of them that are like you know they don't really hold up today but mm. i'm telling you man these uh i don't know if you ever played like chip and dale or ducktales or any of those oh, yeah. handheld. those games are so good and they still are so good and like so yeah. playing legend of illusion through uh with my game gear 
I was just blown away by how much fun I was having playing this game. And it's like, Oh dude, those game, the game gear in particular, because of the color and the, the sprites in, in ducktails and stuff. When I was a kid, I just thought, or I guess I wasn't even a kid. I was just younger, but I thought, I thought it was magic. It just felt like, like, Oh my God, I'm actually playing something that looks like the cartoon. That seems impossible. And I'm carrying it around. Yes, yeah, so I understand the fascination with it. It's it's it's, cool. it's funny. What is funny though also is to to in any way think of these systems as like I mean people today are like oh you know this iPhone if I put it in my pocket it kind of sticks out a little bit so it's and it's like the Game Gear like you could put straps on that thing and wear it like a backpack. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. huge. And the screen was like a postage stamp. <laughs> right. And it takes like, I can't remember if it's six or eight double uh, A batteries, which is like, Oh man. And then like the links, the Atari links, same amount of batteries, but you only get five hours, five hours of play wow. time. That's it crazy. Eats batteries for lunch. That's yes. hilarious. <laughs> That's really cool. So now you said you referenced this idea of there being like the one game for each system. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, okay. So because I don't have endless quantities of cash, I can't, I like can't, if I get, say the Atari Lynx, I just got an Atari Lynx. I can't go out and buy all the Atari Lynx games. And the reality is I cost a lot of money to get these systems. So I'm probably only Mm going to get one. And so that's what got me thinking. I was like, well, what game should I get? And then I was like, oh, that's actually like an interesting question. What is, if you had to make a list of all the retro handhelds, and only could have one game for each of them, what game mm. would you pick? Um, I actually tweeted about this over the weekend and I got some really interesting answers. I think mm. everybody agreed, even though I think no one was happy with it, everybody agreed that Tetris is the game for Game Boy. Yeah, because I was going like, to say that. Yeah, yeah say the, Tetris, right? <laughs> it defines that system. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's like, there, there are games that are probably better than Tetris on the Game Boy, oh, sure. but like, it's Tetris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Are there any other surprises that that... Or even ones that you believe for a specific system is the game, if even if the, the you know the public at large might not agree. The 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 unwashed masses. Yeah, um, <laughs> I yeah I I think uh, so. I think like um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones that I I really if there are like so many out there that I uh, was playing and. I cannot remember off the top of my head if there are any that like really stand out. I mean, Tetris, like I said, is a little contentious because people, you know, there are yeah. better games out there for it. Um, right, right. The um, PSP is is interesting. I think a lot of people were were choosing sort of uh, Metal Gear games. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I guess that's makes because sense. Because it's like it's you know, it's what you think of. What I do find fascinating is that I think the more the more you kind of move forward in time and the more modern the system is, the, um, the, the like harder it is to make that decision because suddenly yeah. it's like with the switch, like, is that even possible? <laughs> like, can you pick? Right. Yeah, exactly. Is that, a game? All of a sudden it's now it's a major main console, but yeah, I would have a hard time doing it even with the DS because the DS had such an incredible library. Yeah. yeah. I, for me, the PSP, like, immediately Patapon jumps to mind. Patapon, yeah. Uh and uh what was that? I that I've forgotten their puzzle game. They had that uh that was so popular. L- Lumina L- Lumis? Lumis. Oh yeah, yeah Luminous, Luminous. Yeah, yeah. Luminous, yeah. 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 Uh, um, Christian, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say Christian, this is uh this is right down your alley. I mean, Christian is our resident uh retro uh nut. <laughs> uh and I know Christian, what you didn't you order like the crazy um uh um 
what's mean? that company that does the handle analog, stuff? analog yeah. pocket yes i'm very very I, excited i missed out on that pre-order i'm so annoyed I, I'm looking at this uh, now, Ryan, because I had, did not know that this uh, Legend of Illusion, sorry, Mickey Mouse came out on Game Gear. So I'm playing catch up a little bit. It came out in 95 per my internet researching. 95 was a wild year for video games where you're getting that. Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi also came out for Game Gear. Virtual Fighter 2 was also out, as was Wipeout, Panzer Dragoon, Chrono Trigger. Like Chrono the, Trigger was on the Game Gear? No, on oh. the, the, the consoles that were still air quote alive in 95 yeah. is what there's a PlayStation, the Saturn, the SNES, yeah. Genesis, yeah. 3DO, Jaguar, Neo Geo, CDI, Sega CD, 32X, Game Boy, Game Boy. I mean, Game Boy, Game Gear, Virtual Boy. We're all like, wait, Virtual s- Boy? <laughs> still around a little bit. Virtual Boy, I, I think one could argue, was never around. <laughs> <laughs> uh sure. but it's just what a weird because i was like yeah because I, I remember the game gear uh, earlier i remember it closer to like i think 90 1990 when it came out yeah um but seeing it that it had this i guess it looking now it went away in 97 so to speak um but there's this we talk about a console generation now that we're in uh like oh transitions these these uh games these bridge games and it's like there were three generations going at the same yeah. time. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I love old handhelds too. Uh, the things like the modding scene people are doing with old GBAs and putting nicer screens in them. Yeah, it is just totally. works of art. Yeah. They, I, I mean, there's just something so cool about these systems. And like, it's funny today I was on Twitter asking people. So I got a, a little obsessed about this because my memory, I think, is, uh, you know, a lot of fun memories. You forget the things that you're not so fond of. And <laughs> I, I'd sort of forgotten. I mean, I knew, but I'd sort of forgotten how many games didn't have any way to save. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. Games. So like they, the Game Boy relied on the cartridge. It had to have a uh, battery in it. And not all carts did. Um, and that was true also for the Game Gear. And like some of these games, like, I mean, they're, granted, they're not like 100 hour games, but they're also not you know, arcade games. So like legend of illusion, uh, which is, uh, um, land of illusion was, I think the better of the two Mickey mouse titles. There's no, there's no way to save that game. And so I, I was playing it and I played, you know where this is headed. Uh, I played it for like an hour and I killed off like three bosses and I was like, all right, I'm done now. And I turned it off and immediately I was like, ah, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> and it's, then, so, it's so brutal on a handheld system. You just got done talking about, the battery requirements and all right. these things like it's just it's just fraught with with potential disasters you know it's like and it's uh. funny because like i honestly i was like thinking about it and i i got convinced i was convinced i was like i, I must be remembering you remembering it wrong there must have been there must have been a way to save games like surely and it's like no no and so like on, i went on twitter and i was like when did when did what was the first portable that allowed you to save a game that wasn't on the cart that was you could save it on the system and i think it was actually the ds which mm. is crazy it seems like it should have come yeah. before then <laughs> yeah yeah that is wild man what a cool thing what a very cool thing to be obsessed with <laughs> be yeah. into uh it's awesome um very very cool uh christian spicer what is on your playlist we have a pretty similar playlist uh yes we do 
Jeff. So I don't know if you want to stands the wow uh, expansion, which you're not doing. But yeah, and, everything else pretty much stands the odd ways or not odd. The atypical ways I've been playing my games. Um, yes. Is the things maybe do you want to start with wow and then we can get into uh, Ubisoft land or do you want no, to believe me? I talked a lot about wow last week. Let, let's let's talk about Immortals Phoenix Rising because that's kind of the new release this week. Sure. So uh, I am playing on PC via Ubisoft Plus, which is Ubisoft's subscription service. Uh, I am subscribed too many a times and I'm really good about canceling my subscription. (laughs) Um, It's a great deal if you're interested in these games. It's, I think, 15 bucks a month um, on PC and right now also offers um, beta access on Amazon Luna, which is their cloud um, platform. And I think coming soon to Stadia. Per Ubisoft, it says it's coming soon to Stadia as well. Um, and so I'm playing on PC, and then I'm also playing on Luna and on GeForce Now and uh, on my my new iPhone controller that I can talk about in a bit. The game itself, it's hard not to talk about in comparison to Valhalla, but for my money, or even more important, I think for my time, hmm. I love Immortals Phoenix Rising. Like that... I've played more Valhalla so far because I've had it longer, um, maybe like eight hours of Valhalla and maybe like four hours of Immortals so far. Um, but that's the world I want to live in. I find it bright, vibrant. Not all of the the jokes land, but I like I like the tone that it sets up. I like the. Um, uh, it's, it's a lot more comedy than I thought. Like the the pre release sort of uh, PR push for the game did not really highlight how comedic a take this entire game is. Yeah. It's, it's really is a, a comedy game. If you know, I would put it in the comedy genre. It, the whole thing is narrated by Zeus and Poseidon and they're no, doing like, a, it's, um, uh, Oh my gosh. Chained to a boulder bird, picking out his liver. Oh, the, it's not Poseidon. P? No, it does start with a P. That's why I said Poseidon. Um, uh, why is this gone to me right now? I am not going to look it up either. I refuse. <laughs> it's, it, it does is, start with a P. Uh, um, he, gave, he gave fire to, to, to hum, humans, which is why Zeus locked him to the boulder. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. This, uh, it's going to be a four-hour episode because we're all too lazy to look it up. <laughs> <laughs> but it's – oh my gosh. It is on the tip of my tongue. <clears throat> I'm going to look it up. I cannot. This is good. This is good podcasting though. This is like <laughs> A plus podcasting. Um, anyway, these guys are, are doing like a, they're doing like a comedy routine. It's like, uh, you know, a, a straight man, com- comedic guy. It's, it's really a, a humorous take and they're narrating the whole thing. I, I don't know of a, I can't think of a big sprawling triple A game that has, like narration throughout it's such a cool idea i don't know why nobody's done this before the closest to it i think is uh call of juarez gunslinger where you have uh prometheus yes prometheus Uh, thank you reach that far that is it um it is prometheus golly right now like everyone i had in high school and college is just like not listening to this show but if they were they'd be very upset (laughs) um but uh, Gunsing, Legend of War, Call of Juarez, uh, had like it was narrating and things would change as they happened. Like I walked into the bar and there were a hundred men staring me down. There are only two. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like wipes and others two. But yeah, they're, you're telling the story and things do change as um, 
uh, Zeus and Prometheus, like it was a huge enemy. He wasn't that big and it like shrinks back down. It's really fun. But it, I, and the jokes are sophisticated, right? It's not, I mean, you say it like that and that seems a little goofball-y and I guess it is a little goofball-y, but there's also pretty good writing. It's pretty good writing. The, the gags, I mean, there's some extreme gags. There's like a, I don't want to even spoil it. At the beginning, there's kind of a big joke, you know, the meta joke on video games. That's kind of fun. And, and they're, you know, they're doing really kind of inside mythology jokes about, you know, about Aphrodite and, and the, you, you kind of have to understand some of that history to even get some of the jokes. There's some good or not remember stuff. Prometheus's name and still get the jokes too. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it's hit and miss. It's not, I don't think it's the funniest thing I've ever played. No, um, but it no, also doesn't. Not again i'm like four to five hours in i don't think it overstays its welcome like its narrative is comedic that is the tone but like the action i really enjoy the third person combat it is the combat's great it's fast it's fluid you unlock what's essentially like uh a a whip to pull you closer to people to like like it's like a spider-man move basically so you can start having aerial combos um the upgrades are fun. It's like the the world is beautiful. Yes, it looks similar to Breath of the Wild. Um, but I think five, ten years from now, this game, and not try not to compare it too much, but will withstand the test of time better than um Valhalla. Because like this type of graphic style will look great. Whereas like Valhalla will be like, this isn't a real person anymore. This looks silly. Right. Um, right. It's, it's abstracted a bit. It's, it's a style stylized to the point because it's, it's got that cartoony aesthetic that it'll kind of like how wow is really wow kind of holds up for me because they chose low those many years ago to, to be a, a cartoon aesthetic. It feels still all right in the, in the modern context It's not trying to be photorealistic. And that's the same and thing Fortnite here with like Kratos. Yeah. Kratos looks great in Fortnite. Everything looks great in Fortnite. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. It's really smart design. I really like it. I agree with you, man. I, I am very surprised by this game. I was excited about it because I heard it was the Odyssey team that did it. And I'm such a fan of, of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, and you can tell that there's a lot of holdover from, you know, <laughs> their, evidently their work in the, in the, Greek mythology, uh, you know, that's, it's still that in that same wheelhouse, but the game really has its own identity and you do some of the same things you do in breath of the wild. You do some of the same things you do in Assassin's Creed, but I don't think it's an exact lift of either of those games. It is kind of carving out its own little unique corner of something. And, it's really pleasurable. It is a very fun world to be in, bright, vibrant, colorful, a true open world in the sense that the game doesn't even really hold your hand. Nothing is gated. That's where it's like Breath of the Wild, where, you know, Breath of the Wild is only gated by like what you can get to right now, what what you can actually reach. Like if if you could get enough stamina to get to the top of that thing, you could get to that top of that thing right now, you know? And it's just about getting enough stamina to get there. It's not you have to get to a certain level or whatever. There's no levels in this game. Everything, there's lots of ways to level up your character, but they're all about, you know, solving stuff, beating bad guys, collecting, opening chests, collecting resources in the world, and then going and upgrading specific skills or your health or your stamina 
to be able to climb longer or go faster, farther glide. You get wings very early. You get Icarus like wings very early and you're able to soar through the world and the draw distance is wild and you can like leap off of tall things and soar for great distances. And and the, the game world is big. It's just vast with tons of little interesting things to do. And it's constantly giving you quests, but the quests aren't like to get XP because there's no XP. You're, you're doing things that give you specific rewards, weapons, armor, resources, then the resources can be used to purchase upgrades. Um, and, you know, it's got this job board where you can, it's got uh, daily quests and weekly quests and then quests in the game world as well. Um, you can get mounts in this game. You can, you can collect all these different, tame all these different animals in the world and ride them around. And you've got this cool, like, golden lasso of a harness that lets you ride the animals. It's There's so many fun little flourishes that make the game have so much personality. I think that's the word that I kept thinking about when I was playing uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising is it's got personality. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you have this sort of buddy relationship, at least in the early part of the game with Hermes, who's this trickster god, and he's constantly showing up at places and messing things up. And you get a phoenix uh, that flies around with you that you can, that does cool stuff. You can upgrade the phoenix in cool ways. It's 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 really cool. I'm so impressed with this game. And I, I like the puzzles, you know, similar yes. to the shrines in Zelda. And it, it's tough because it is similar to that. But to me, this is not a Breath of the Wild like. Like, yes, inspired by, but I think it does do enough things on its own. And it also takes things from other open world games that it is clearly inspired by Breath of the Wild. But it's not just trying to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Exactly. But I really like the puzzles. I've heard that some of the later ones can, you know, maybe be a little more difficult than they otherwise need to be. But so far, I've really enjoyed them. They're clever. They're fun. They're a nice, you know, change of pace. Um, I, I really think that there's a chance that this game could be looked back upon, you know, even just a couple of years as like a, a real sleeper hit that maybe people didn't give enough attention to. And hopefully people... I mean, it came out at a tough time right after Valhalla, right before Cyberpunk. But it it does a lot right. And again, for me, between um, Watch Dogs, Assassin's Creed, and Immortals Phoenix Rising, Immortals Phoenix Rising is the one that I want to I want to spend my time in. Yeah, I mean, I still think I, I'm still enjoying Assassin's Creed a lot, and we'll, we'll talk about that shortly. But I I think this game, I hope it doesn't become a victim of its release date. Because it deserves, I think, more attention than it may get just by virtue of what you said of when it comes out. And mm-hmm. I hope that people don't overlook it. Uh, we got an email from a listener. I'm trying to find it. I can't I can't quite find it. So I, I'm not going to be able to credit the emailer. I apologize. But you know who you are. And I appreciate you for writing in uh, who suggested we were kind of lamenting this idea that that uh, Ubisoft is releasing all of their stuff in, in like a a month period, you know, almost cannibalizing their own library here with, you know, big open world games that are kind of delivering this similar feeling between watchdogs and Assassin's Creed and, and this game, um, all happening right. Boom, boom, boom. Instead of spreading them out over the course of the year. And this emailer was, was suggesting perhaps that that is actually a strategy to get a, the Ubisoft connect service to be 
the way people experience these games. The idea being that, hey, if you've got this big concentration of releases coming out with Far Cry, you know, soon on its heels, that people are more likely to do what you and I did, which is sign up for the monthly service uh, instead of trying to pick one of the games to play. Oh, I can play all of the games by signing up for the service. And then they've got you in that ecosystem. So maybe, maybe that was a conscious play on their part and not, you know, sort of cannibalizing their own library. Yeah. I, I don't know if they advertised it that well then. Um, right. <laughs> but I, I think the, I think the, if you want to play these games, it, the value is certainly there. I think right now it's only on PC and then streaming services for Ubisoft plus, I believe. Um, but yes, it, it's, it, the, the value is certainly there. And to talk a little bit about, so I'm in the Amazon Luna beta now because I have a problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I don't know how much time we need to spend here, but Brian, I am curious to get your thoughts on it. Like for me, well, let me back up a little bit. One minor problem. As I'm playing this, I've played some on GeForce Now on my Backbone One, which I'll talk about in a little bit uh, in bed. And then when I got my Luna controller, I played on my iPad with my Luna controller. I played on my PC on Luna just to kind of test it out. And I was having a lot of fun, really loved it. And then I went back to play on PC uh, because in my opinion, it's not as playing via Luna, much like Stadia often is the case. It's not as good as playing on a high-end PC directly. Um, I love streaming. It's very competent. I can play the entire game streaming, but as I'm stuck in my house, uh, sitting at my desk, like, oh, I will play on my expensive high-end PC. Problem, and maybe this is like Miles Morales and it will change mid-episode, um, the Luna version of Immortals Phoenix Rising is, I believe, 1.0.3. The PC version is 1.0.2, which means that after I played it on Luna, I cannot now play it on PC until PC gets patched. Super frustrating of the cloud future because Ubisoft, I think they're huge, like we talked about before, I think people should give nvidia more credit for like pushing the industry forward with ray tracing and even the shield projects that they've released and uh geforce now and some of that stuff that they're doing ubisoft is really on the forefront like their games are everywhere ubisoft connect now has cloud syncing saves across whatever platform you play unbelievable yes unbelievable because i honestly this is on me for not no not knowing this ahead of time but I didn't know it ahead of time. And I have been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla on my brand new Xbox Series X because that was the game I was going to play on Series X. And I was all excited. And I was playing, blah, 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 blah. And then I wanted to play Phoenix Rising, decided to get the Ubisoft Plus subscription and was like, hey, well, I'll check out to see how Assassin's Creed Valhalla looks on my PC with ultra wide and maybe i'll love it on there but oh, it'd be such a pain to restart i'm like 30 hours into that game i you know, I'm, I'm not gonna oh blew my mind that i could pick up my save right where i left off on pc yes. i left off on xbox series x i was gobsmacked by yes. that and it was like this this should be how it is this should just be how it is unfortunately that only exists if you have the $15 a month subscription fee, 
but it's no, a pretty great. I don't perk. think so. I think Ubisoft Connect. You just have to be in. You have to have like your Ubisoft account. I could be wrong about that, but my understanding was that the cloud saving synchronicity thing is a f- perk of the subscription to Plus. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't it's, think but it's, it's a- coming. It's like a lot of people are, you know. Unreal yes. Engine has has that I think built into it, or it's coming to it. And, yeah, for five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, it's going to be in the not too distant future. That's going to be the norm, and it's such a big deal. For such the a reason. big deal. Yeah, it's like you know all this other stuff's great, like being able to have save states where you can switch between games real quickly and all this. But really, for the entitled people like us. <laughs> You know, I want to play on my on my newfangled console in my living yeah. room. Now I want to play on my super expensive PC. Like, yeah, it yeah, sounds like a, a, a. I mean, I, I do the same thing though, but it's like you know, I feel the same way where I'm like, ah, I don't want to replay the thing. Being able to just move around between systems, like getting rid of those barriers, is like. And I think uh, a sort of a wider point is like that's the thing. That's what I think. There's obviously a lot of things happening right now in technology. But one of the big things that the game industry seems to be working on for this generation, this that we just entered, is removing barriers. Like, yeah. you know, so you don't have to worry about <clears throat> if your friend is playing on the same platform as you, maybe. Or right. you know, if you started the game on a TV and you want to finish it on a mobile phone, you know, on a subway ride, which may happen in the next year. Yeah, (laughs) when we can all go back out again but like getting rid of those barriers is such like that's been the impediment for me and i think for a lot of people to sometimes play games because it's like uh you know i any anything that's going to slow down your experience there's always a chance that you're just like ah you know what i'll just do something else or i'll play a different game Mm -hmm. yeah i i do believe that that's gonna start feeling so obvious and uh we're gonna be so comfortable with it that it's gonna be one of those things where like do you remember when you wouldn't be able right. to continue your game on it? It'll, it'll feel so weird and foreign that it ever happened at all. It will be you like know, the I, conversation we had at the beginning of this episode with Brian on Game Gear and no saves. Right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, it's funny because like, it, it, you know, I always find this and it's, I think it's a bit of a bummer. I think it's a bit of uh, just a slight uh, tinge of game culture. When I asked that question, there were a lot of people I was asking specifically about the Game Boy on Twitter. And there were some people who kind of like took offense. Like, well, of course they didn't have it. <laughs> you know, and I was like, I'm not, look, I'm not like, I'm not trying to like smack talk the Game Boy. I'm just, <laughs> right. I'm just trying to get to the, because in theory, they could have done that. They could have designed it. But right. I bet there were a lot of people who were like, well, it's probably the cost or this or that. And I was like, I, I really, deep down, I think it was something that they just never thought of doing. Like, why would <laughs> yeah. you? Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not just not the kind of thing that people expected. Yeah. And like, that's, to me, that's fascinating. And like, at what point did that change? Whereas yeah. we're talking about now, there will be a time, absolutely, where people are like, gosh, I can't imagine that I had to like get all my friends together and make sure we were all going to buy the same console or we wouldn't be able to play games together. Yeah. Like, that seems insane. Like even now that seems slightly insane, <laughs> but like, right. but like, yeah. So I, I'm, I'm super interested in those moments where suddenly it goes from being uh, an interesting idea that maybe you could do to being something that they're using to sell a console or system to like, well, of course you have to have it or no one's going to buy your system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're on the cusp of that with with all this stuff for yeah. sure. To get yeah, from right. the Ubisoft thing, you just need a Ubisoft account. 
you do not need oh, really? to subscribe because right. it's like right. between Fair switch enough. and playstation where uh the subscription isn't even available um it, it's it's phenomenal and destiny has this i think brian you mentioned how it's unreal engine 5 is going to build it in fortnite has it other games certainly have it but I, I think ubisoft is really doing great things out there being on every platform yeah. um putting their games places still making wii games <laughs> you know or whatever it was for just dance <laughs> and uh immortals phoenix rising it's I've heard good things about the Switch version. Um, I have enjoyed playing it on streaming, which is the only way I can currently play it <laughs> right now. <laughs> as uh, my PC version is locked behind a, a prior game update, and so Brian, this is what I wanted—we got sidetracked. Um, this is what I kind of wanted to ask you about your opinion as you're playing Game Gear versions of games um, and, and handheld versions of games. Like to me, not to hide my hand. I think I said it already. Yeah. The Luna version of Immortals Phoenix Rising is not as good as me playing on my 3080 PC. Right. It's not as good. Yeah. But it is totally fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and if I never get my save back onto the PC version for whatever reason, I will finish Immortal Phoenix Rising on Luna. And I think in terms of breaking down barriers, like, we used to get emails, Jeff, of like, hey, I want to get back into gaming. I played a lot in college, and I don't know if I have time. Now I would say, hey, Brian, pay, f- join Luna and pay $14 a month for Ubisoft Plus. Go play. Then cancel it after a month. Like, do you think, like, when you're recommending games, is that an option? Like, yeah, it's not the be- Cyberpunk on Stadia. I'm speculating. I don't know. Cyberpunk on Stadia might not be a, the best version of the game. But that's the version you should play if you have internet for like most people. How how dumb am I? No, I mean it's funny because like I this is what I always think of. I remember before this is going to be a journey. I'm sorry, <laughs> this answer. Uh, I remember before the iPhone came out, right before the iPhone came out, when I would go on long trips, I would take with me uh, a iPod. I would take a some sort of gaming system. I take a camera. I take books. I, now I just take my iPhone. <laughs> like, yeah, and, it and is I, all that. <laughs> right. And I do that. I don't do that because the iPhone has a better camera or it's a better reading experience or it's the best way to listen to music. I do it because it's really easy to do. And yeah. it's, it's, it all goes into my pocket. I don't have to screw around with anything. It just works. And I think that people are. Uh, not not all people but i think a lot of people are willing to overlook like quality to some degree if ease of use is really ratcheted up yeah for sure and so and that's that's what i think we're going to see with with streaming there will definitely be and i'm the same way like i it's so funny because like i've got this high-end system and yet i will sometimes play on stadia or luna and the main reason honestly is because it's like i you know i don't want to install the game you know, I, uh-huh. I want to, yeah. I want to check this game out. I don't want to spend 15, 20 minutes installing it to find out I don't really like it and screw it. It's like, I'll just launch it on Luna, which takes no time. And I per- personally, I think that's one of the biggest things. Like you just press, you, you, you go to the site, you press play, you're playing the game. There's no, yeah, like Luna apologizes that Ubisoft games take a minute or two to load because it, yeah. it goes through Ubisoft connect. It's like, Hey, right. sorry, we know this is taking <laughs> forever. And I'm like, it's been 20 seconds. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like, that's the thing. It's like, you know, I know it's not going to be as good as running it locally on my computer, but I, you know, 
I want to just try it. I just want to check it out. I want to see what it's like. I, you know, I'm not at this point now, but when my, my son's 19 now, but when he was young and like you, I would get these little snapshots of moments where it was like, okay, I've got like 10 minutes to play games. And there were so many times where I would be like, all right, I'm going to quickly dive in and just like try to polish off this mission. And it's like, oh, an update. <laughs> you're like, right. Oh, yeah. The worst. All of my play time. Yeah. So like, yeah, I think that, you know, I think it's great that you can do that. And I think that a lot of people are going to find that appealing. That may be one of those things that we were just talking about. That may be one of those things of, hey, do you remember when you'd actually have to install a thing on your, because I mean, what we're describing is the same thing as having a Blu-ray versus watching it on Netflix, right? Does it look better on Blu-ray? Absolutely. It looks better on Blu-ray. Do most people care? Most people don't care. Most people are much happier clicking the button and having it instantly start playing on their television than futzing with a disc or, you know, figuring out how to do all that. And the the convenience is so much better than the minor quality improvement. And I think I think video games are going to get there really soon. I do. I don't think it's going to be that far off. Would will I be playing Cyberpunk on anything other than my 3080? Heck no. Right. I want, you know, I want every pixel rendered, you know. But I can definitely see myself as the technology improves and things get better and better, as Netflix did and all streaming services did, they all didn't start looking as good or happening as quickly or not having buffering as frequently or whatever. Uh, but as that technology improves for video games, I can definitely see the convenience winning out. And I think it might end up being one of those things where we're all like, do you remember when yeah. uh, on that stuff too? Yeah. I think it's a push pull on infrastructure and data caps, which were, oh, I think yeah. Yeah, folks on sure. the East now have seen caps come back in and it's, it's a mess, but data that's going to be the struggle. I think data caps have the potential to completely just take this whole thing and just push it right off the side of a cliff. Like if those really come in and they stick around, nobody's going to be streaming because it's just I just like, think there's, I think there's the too smart to let that happen. You know, every, there's too much money to be made for people to push lots of data at you for the other people asking for your money from data caps. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't think that that'll happen. I think but. it will come with like the horrible dark side to Starlink that we don't know about yet of like all those micro, but like something will happen to disrupt or, you know, who's he, what, or do whatever, where it's like, okay, greedy dinosaur company, you went for this thing. Well, guess what? You don't exist anymore. And now how's, here's how we do it. <laughs> you know, right, like yeah. welcome to seven G and it's like, what happened to six, <laughs> six G? No it's over, man. Yeah. Um, my brother lives in Atlanta and he was telling me, I didn't know this. He said he's been on data cap for like years and he just pays an extra 50 bucks a month for unlimited. And I'm thinking just, yeah, <laughs> like, I know. Jeez. It's like, like an so extra you get what I, bucks a month? It's like you get what I have, but you pay $50 more is what you're telling me. <laughs> Ugh, that's rough. That's brutal. Yeah. But uh, Hey, it back. Um, immortals is great. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, no, before I do want to keep talking about that. I do owe an ad here. So let me jump in and just uh, thank our next sponsor, which is hello fresh. Oh my goodness. I love HelloFresh. We just cooked a HelloFresh tonight. I cooked a HelloFresh. It was uh, it was pork burgers. They were incredible. My wife, dude, it's so funny. I'm thinking about this right now. I did not plan this for the uh, the ad, but it just occurred to me tonight. My wife sitting at the table said to me, unscripted, unprompted. She turned to me and she goes, "These burgers are better than something that you would get at a high end restaurant." Which is seems like it was a setup for this ad for HelloFresh, but it was HelloFresh recipe I cooked for my family 
And uh, everybody loved it. Even the kids were eating it. And I can't get my kids to eat anything other than plain noodles. So uh, there you go. Uh, end of ad. <laughs> get HelloFresh. What is it, though? Oh, HelloFresh is a delivery service for pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes. It's delivered right to your door. And it, it's actually America's number one meal kit. You don't have to worry about buying too much of an ingredient because it's pre-measured. You don't have to worry about planning your meals because they're right there. You have these this huge assortment. Such variety has been entered into our uh, our menu at this point in my life because of HelloFresh. Uh, yes, would I have made burgers? Maybe would I've had burgers? But these were pork burgers. They had onions in them. It was amazing. They had uh, caramelized onions that I caramelized myself. Uh, with barbecue sauce. It was so delicious. These were like gourmet pork burgers. Loved them. But, you know, we get all kinds of crazy stuff that I would never get. I would never probably make, you know, uh, shrimp risotto. I had shrimp risotto a couple of weeks ago from HelloFresh. Incredible. I'm telling you, it was amazing. You do not, you do not understand how much this has affected my life. It is a huge, huge improvement. And it can be a huge improvement in your life, uh, you have sustainability. HelloFresh is the first global carbon neutral meal kit company. Pretty amazing. Uh, you reduce your food waste by at least 25% by skipping the grocery store and using HelloFresh. That's pretty wonderful. So you feel good about yourself. You got the flexibility of your lifestyle to be able to, you know, you can stop and start the meals whenever you need. You've got, I love getting on the app every week and selecting our meals and getting excited a few weeks out, you know, what, what's going to happen in a few weeks, what the meals are going to be. So many meals to choose from. It's great. All kinds of different plans. Uh, so if, you know, if you're a vegetarian, they have vegetarian meals, all kinds of, of great things. And, and there's great values. You save 40% when you use HelloFresh versus shopping at the grocery store and you don't end up throwing away excess, which is what I love. I'm telling you, HelloFresh is great. And if you go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC 90, that's DLC 90, and use the promo code DLC 90, you get a total of $90 off, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash DLC 90 and promo code DLC 90. Try it. I think you're going to love it. I've learned a new skill. I feel confident as a cook now because of HelloFresh. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's great variety. Makes me feel good. HelloFresh.com slash DLC90 and DLC90 at checkout. All right, Christian, uh, you were saying. Uh, I was just going to put a bow on Immortals Phoenix Rising. I'm very excited to play more. I think I will. I know that Cyberpunk is like breathing down my neck, but I think it will serve as a a respite from the oppressive atmosphere that is like, I'm ready to play it, but I I am also willing to accept the toll it will take on me. Last of Us Part 2. One of my fave games, I had to put the controller down and walk away. I expect Cyberpunk would do the same. And Immortals is just a joy. Immortals Phoenix yeah. Rising. It, it is just an absolute joy. And I, I really think I'll see it through. It's it's fantastic. I agree. It's it's one of the biggest surprises of the year for me, um, just in, in how much fun and how how much I want to keep playing it. I really want to keep playing it. It's lots of discovery. Uh, we talked about the combat being really, really fun. You have basically two kinds of attacks you can attack uh the health of the monster or you can attack their their stamina and if you knock their stamina down it 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 knocks them 
uh, for a loop and you can get a chance to uh, really, um, you know, whack them and, and do a lot of damage really quickly. And uh, there's like, you know, every time you do a perfect dodge, it slows things down in slow motion. So I'm constantly, and you can parry. It's a really fun, effective, skill-based system. And the puzzles are great. It's it's just, it's got all the ingredients that I really enjoy for games like this. A fun, vibrant, interesting world to discover new things. A, a much more story than Zelda. I mean, I, I know that's blasphemy to say, but Breath of the Wild, not exactly... Uh, big story for me uh maybe there are others that got more story out of it but and it's this feel it's it's yeah it's different than breath of like this is narrative heavy again i don't think it overstates its welcome you're allowed to explore but also you go into uh first person mode to explore the map you don't see everything you have to go through and mark it with like feeling the rumbles but when you mark it it's there well breath of the wild it was like you have 10 pins you know it's, 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 it, it, they're gonna endlessly be compared but they are very different feeling games in my yeah. opinion I agree. And uh, none of the weapons break. So right there. Boom. No, but just my saved it on my 1.0.2 file. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I think that's probably a Stadia problem more than anything No, it's else. Luna. I think Luna has a newer version of or the Luna. game. Mm-hmm. Like it launched a day later on Luna. I was so excited. Or maybe and... they needed to update it on Luna because it was broken on Luna for some weird yeah, reason. Maybe. You know? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but you're also playing a little AC Valhalla. You know that I'm in love with that game. But what is your, how are you? Uh, I mean, obviously not as much as Immortals, you've made that clear, but what do you think? Yeah, Immortals is definitely scratching the itch for me right now. Valhalla is, the environments are big and beautiful, and the land is so appealing to explore. And I really like um, some of the mechanics they have for raiding. And and I do, I think you mentioned this before, I do find it rewarding. And again, I'm eight hours at most into this game. Um, But I do find it rewarding to like go back and build up my settlement, where typically I'm like, yeah, no, you know, like everybody that lives there can die. I am just, I'm going to finish this quest. I, I, your child is waiting for you. I have no child, you know, like I'm just questing. Um, but I find it, I find it rewarding to go back so far. And I, and I really like exploring the world. I like opening the map and maybe not going the direct way that I'm supposed to go to the next thing. Um, and I find that discovery to be really fun. Um, and, and, uh, it is bloody and done well, I think. Like some of those finisher animations and, you know, attacks, it is it is brutal and it doesn't shy away from the brutality of of what you're doing and, and what's happening in this in this world. And I find that um engaging. It, you know, it's kind of like it's far more gory. Uh, I think you can turn it off. I haven't, but it's far yeah, more go- gory than Spider-Man Miles Morales, but I love the finishing moves in Miles Morales. They're so awesome and so fun to watch. And the same thing is true in Valhalla. I I love them. <laughs> They're fantastic. Um, it, it really cinematic and fun to see in these big battles when you go in and just lop somebody. They even do some, uh, there's some Mortal Kombat type stuff where it like yes. x-rays in and shows the interior organs being Yes. Horn asunder, you know? I'm pretty sure there's one where I lopped a dude's head off and then continuing the swing came around and like chopped both of their hands off above his head. And I was like, oh, just just brutal. Um, the things that are holding it back for me, why I think I'm not as in love with it as you are, Jeff, um, are, are two main things. One, I find the fidelity of the people, the graphical fidelity of the people. And I'm playing on PC um 3080 my geforce experience recommended settings um they don't look great 
like it's not uncanny valley esque, but it's like the main characters during cutscenes look incredible, like the trailers and all that stuff. Like that's I see that in game, that's incredible. But when I'm playing, they all kind of have this like dead eye. They're not quite T posed, but like just. It, it's it's open world. I don't know. And I'm ready to be past that. And maybe it's because I played Origins and Odyssey also on PC. In my head, I was still hoping Valhalla would be next gen in some weird way. And it, it doesn't feel that to me. I remember really being blown away by Origins and thinking it looked great. Odyssey, I thought the seeing that Greek setting looked great. In Valhalla, the, I don't know. I think the characters seem, they they feel dated to me. And also that like open worldy kind of thing of like I'm in a room t- having a conversation with somebody and like the 40 NPCs are all in the background going, watermelon, grapefruit, watermelon, grapefruit, watermelon, grapefruit. And then like my conversation stops and they like have two more beats of like, shabba, shabba, shabba. I'm like, I don't, I don't need that. I don't need that murmur. I don't need awkward soldiers standing around me. They like, in Ghost of Tsushima, when I'm in these moments with other people that are integral to the battle, they feel like they're there and they have weight. And in Valhalla, I feel like it's just numbers. Like, look, there's 40 people in this room with you. And I'm like, but they don't need to be there. Yeah! Just don't don't be there. You're weird. And then the other thing that, and I texted you about this, that takes me out of the game. And while I find Immortals Phoenix Rising to be very tonally consistent, even with the variety of the things you're able to do in game, I find Valhalla to be tonally inconsistent. Um, and that I'm on this pretty, you know, we're starting my settlement. This is a brutal world I'm living. And then I'm exploring a new town. Um, I'm not going to curse, but I'm going to describe things that have to do with intercourse, uh, dear listeners. And I stumble across this person. This is early in the game, maybe three hours in. And this woman's like, you need to help me. I need my rivers to run wet. I haven't gushed in months. I need to be plowed and my seeds must be. And I'm just like, what? And and she's like, yeah, you need to, my husband and I, we can't anymore. He's limp as a wet like noodle. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you need to burn down my house while we're in it so that we can make love. And they're in there like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, smash, smash that vase, smash that vase. And I'm like, what? No, my character would, that'd be like if in episode season three, episode two of Breaking Bad, Walt in a new town and someone's like, hey, I let this fart out of a jar. Will you go find it? And Walt's like, I don't know who you are, but this sounds compelling. I will go. I will find this fart. It just, it seems Again, it feels open-worldy. I don't know how else to describe it. But, like, I think you can have variety in missions without having I – don't, I don't get it. I I just – and I've experienced – that's the one that stood out that I texted you as I was in it. Like, what? I, I don't know, no, man. It pulls I'm not going to defend that particular mission, which I also found to be uh, hackneyed and kind of dumb. But – I will defend the idea of having tonally different things in an open world. I, I kind of like how in Assassin's Creed, especially because it doesn't have that ticking clock problem that a lot of open yes. world games have yes, where it's great. It's like, Hey, that. you know, we got a race to save so-and-so. Uh, and it's like, Oh, do you want to make some pottery? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, I feel like I need to race to save so-and-so more than that whole pottery thing. It doesn't really have that with Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla. There's no, you, you are, 
you know, conquering a land and you, it's, that's going to take some time. So you're building up your resources. You're doing all kinds of stuff. You have time to sit down and play or log the dice game or whatever it is. By the way, I got a very lengthy email about how I was very wrong about Orlog from a listener. Thank you oh, for I, that. I'm horrible very at interesting. it. So <laughs> it is. Uh, I enjoy playing it. It's it's interesting, but it, I found it to be a little simplistic. But they're making like a full tabletop version of it that you can buy in in IRL. Um. Anyway, um. Yeah. So I, I do like the idea that. It, there's some goofball quests and there's the super serious political intrigue quest. Like I, I want there to be some respite from the constant doer, you know, self-serious stuff. And I think that, you know, there's, there's a clever quest that I did where, you know, uh, a dude is super stinky and his whole family thinks he's stinky and he thinks he is not washing himself and, rolling around in, in the stinkiest stuff to protect himself from the enemy. And you literally have to like shoot a, uh, a thing out from under him. So he falls in the river to wash himself. I, I don't know. You know, it's not Shakespeare, but it, it it's a fun <laughs> respite from, well, Shakespeare from all the would other be stuff. a full on. He poops on him. Like don't, yeah, I mean, Shakespeare wrong comparison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shakespeare, Shakespeare definitely went, went for the, uh, plowing your wife stuff. Um, but, I don't know. I, I I agree that particular quest you mentioned. I also thought was a little lame, but I think it's how they're overall. The, I, I don't think the game is is wrong for being tonally uh, varied. Yeah, I, I think it's how it's introed. Like you're exploring this world, and then it's like, hey, can you can you help me with this thing? And you're like, I mean, sure, I'm an adventurer. And then it's like, no, no, I don't want to. Like Brian, I'm curious. And I know we've all played our share of open world games, and this is not unique to Valhalla. Um, and maybe I'm just I'm expecting more from games now. Um, do you have a, a take on this, or do you enjoy that kind of respite? Or yeah, I, I mean, my the the problem I have with Ubisoft games, um, not all of them, but the open world games, is that they they uh, I think uh, Ubisoft does too good a job at making them fun sandboxes. So like. It got, I know the last Far Cry game I played, I don't think I even finished the first mission. I was just like, <laughs> immediately like, ooh, what's that over there? <laughs> and that was yeah. the last you ever saw of me. And I, you know, I played a lot of it, but I didn't do any missions because I was just having fun doing weird stuff. And that led me to other weird stuff. And uh, I think that, I think y- Ubisoft understands that. Um, I also think that you can really, it, it's fascinating to me if you play all their games, you can really see where they borrow elements from, you know, different, different games entirely and inject them into other games. Uh, so yeah. like you could see far cry in a lot of their assassins or more current assassins creed games, I think. Um, yeah. and like, I, you know, there's a balancing act there and I don't know, I don't know what the right, like they're do they're trying to do the impossible. They're trying to allow you to do whatever you want, but also deliver a compelling campaign with a story and that's kind of hard to do. So I haven't gotten that far into it because I I literally got to the village and then wandered off into the mountains. And that's where I am right now in the mountains. But I love that. I, that's, that is how I love playing these kinds of games. And the thing that I like most about the last few Assassin's Creed's and uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising has this as well, is that my curiosity is always rewarded. I, it is always 
there's always a there there, right? There's always an interesting destination when I go, oh, I wonder what's at the top of that mountain. Oh, something interesting is at the top of that mountain or something valuable, something that makes my my uh, little excursion, my little detour worthwhile. And that is what I love about an open world. I I want there to be things placed in in interesting places that when I go, ooh, is there the, is there a thing or a path around that way? And then yes, and then yes, and then oh my gosh, a cool thing is here. Yeah, yeah I, I love all that, and I, I think Valhalla, from what I've played of it, does that well. I guess for me, as I'm uh, reading some stuff in chat and, and kind of thinking through it, like I think Spider Man Miles Morales is totally consistent um, in the open world things you're doing. I think the first Spider Man game too largely is Witcher Three. You know, we're talking about Cyberpunk. Witcher Three. I mean. Geralt in a bath, you know, like there's, there's, uh, intercourse and all of, and, and silliness and drunken, uh, you know, intoxicated missions and this, that, and the other. But I think it, it guides you through it, uh, in a way that doesn't make it feel forced. And sometimes I feel like Ubisoft games on occasion, maybe it is because it's the total freedom, which I can encounter many of these things. They come across feeling odd. I almost wish that they would make an agents of mayhem. Or a um, Ooh, I don't know about that. What's the uh, what's the <laughs> other uh, the one that came before that? The, the yeah, the, I know what you're talking about the, the Volition um, games. Um, um, mercenaries, not mercenaries. Prometheus. Um, I'm just curious. <laughs> like, I, I wonder if they went like full tilt because I I really liked a lot of I think Far Cry Five, but also was super serious. Right, that was like Christianity, uh, uh, patriotism, all, like all of this death cult stuff, but also like. I'm on a biplane with a hillbilly and a rocket launcher and a bear with a machine gun. And it's like, what's happening? <laughs> what's yeah. happening? Super fun. Um, I almost, if there's, I'm curious what they would do if they just unleashed from any uh, tonal seriousness. Saints Row. Thank you. Yeah. Saints Row. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see what would a, what would a Fortnite game look like coming from Ubisoft? If they were just like, here's everything. We've emptied our bag into I'll a say hyperscapes there. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, hyperscape. I was going to say it, it looks like um, it looks like uh, Tom Clancy's uh, <laughs> not Rainbow Six, but the other one that they uh, Ghost Ghost Recon. That's Ghost Recon is their Fortnite, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's got everything. So <laughs> I, I think Valhalla is easy to recommend. I, I imagine that it might actually click with more people than Immortals Phoenix Rising because it is, you know, grounded. I think while I find Immortals Phoenix Rising to be tonally consistent, I could see the humor just bouncing people. Like, I really like Airplane. Other people really like Top Secret. Both great old movies. Um, you can't go wrong. But I think, you know, Valhalla, it, it, it does what it does very, very well. I'm curious, Jeff. Um, as I've only played it on PC and I kind of described the character models as looking fine, I'd love to hear your graphic comparison between Series X and uh, 3080 Ultra Wide. Well, that new patch that just came out for oh, the crap. consoles. Oh, console, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, corrected a lot of the issues that I was experiencing when I first played it, the screen tearing and stuff. That I guess there's reports that it isn't completely gone, but since the patch happened, I haven't noticed any. Um, and uh, I have to say it compares pretty favorably to my 3080, uh, the Series X. Uh, and also, I should say that the patch that came out feels like a massive improvement 
in stability and frame rate, uh, the game seems way smoother. And they added the ability to switch between performance and uh, mm. enhancement or whatever they call it um, now. And it, it just the high frame rate just looks so good. Um, but I'm I'm really impressed. I thought the PC version would be a huge improvement and on Ultra or whatever. And it's pretty similar to the Series X. I think Series X holds its own That's for cool. sure. Yeah, I crush yeah. frames with my thirty. I mean, it is smoke. I do find that like my I think my GPU is like hotter than it's not hot, but I'm like ooh, super. I'm, cool I'm stressing that, this thing. <laughs> it's super cool that they have built into their engine that thing at the pause menu where it shows you a graph of your frame rate and everything. It's like well, that's slick. I like yeah. that. Um, anyway. I know we're kind of going along. The last thing I want to talk about is just this. I bought a Backbone, the Backbone one. Brian, did I see you? Were you tweeting yeah. about this also? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I <clears throat> I actually just uh, wrote something on my personal blog about it and the Kisha. Kishi? Kishi. The yeah, Razor. the Razor. The Razor. One. Yeah, and it's like I like – they both I think bring something to the table, but I really wish I could take both of them and smash them together and then I'd have the perfect controller, <laughs> I think. Yeah, so they are both uh, controllers that are built for your phone. They kind of uh, envelop it. They you know stretch and slap onto it. The Backbone is currently iOS only. Razer makes an Android version as well. Um, the back and they're both about a hundred bucks on iOS. The Backbone one comes with software um, that is super slick. Like yeah. it, it's how they sell it, and I will happily say it. It it, it turns your iPhone into a console. Like it has a dedicated button for screenshot for video when you put it in it launches you can launch you can hit a button to go right to like your home like the ps button on the console that takes you to the backbone home that shows all the games you have on your phone that support controller like jump back into call of duty mobile go play some oh my god castlevania it's like it was like a dollar children of light it's like negative a dollar they like paid you to get it on ios <laughs> and, and it's there in a really slick interface with all of your games um, and it, it, to me, I've only played with the razor key. I've not owned one, but the backbone to me, I like the ergonomics of it. It feels more like a switch with the kind of the extended handles that go down a little bit. It doesn't quite feel as rigid as a s- switch because it is two pieces that are then, you know, hugging your iPhone, but it's not as solid even as a switch. Like you could definitely stress it, um, in a frustrating moment, but I, I absolutely love it. My only knocks against it aren't really against it at all. It's one that Apple still doesn't show you what games support a controller outside of Apple Arcade, which is ridiculous that I still need to go to a third-party site to be like, does this one support controllers? Um, on Apple Arcade, it shows you, but on regular games, it doesn't. Uh, two, as far as right now, Luna does not seem to work with it. Um, at least for me, it, it doesn't recognize a controller which I think is odd because every, everything else it seems to. Uh, and that's it. I, I played so much of Assassin's Creed on my phone through GeForce Now with my backbone in bed late at night. It is, oh, it has a lightning pass-through for charging. It has a headphone jack if you don't want to use Bluetooth headphones. I love it. I love it so much. Headphone jack's a, a biggie. Like you can use standard headphone jack. You don't have to, you know, worry about it being wow. USB. That's huge. Yeah, it's great. I, I think the, it's funny. I interviewed the uh, CEO of Backbone and he, he straight up said like, we created a device to market our software. Like there, and I think the device is very good, but their software, you said it, it's like so slick. 
So um, good. Have you messed around with the editing features they have built into it? Just briefly. And then same with just briefly with the friends list, because I'm like always been so low any- on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said I liked liked you, Brian. Okay, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah so just I, briefly. It has like it has this thing when you're trying, so you could do these little clips, and it presents your video that you captured, and it has like a little fever chart thing, like above the the video that shows spikes in where action was happening, which I think is so it's so cool. It's like an AI thing that they created. So if you want to sort of just, you don't know, like you recorded an hour of video and you have no idea where it was interesting. You just look at that chart and then you can like zoom in onto that area and then clip out something. Um, yeah, it's, it's very cool. I would say the, the razors controller, I feel like the thumbsticks are a little better. Uh, they're a little taller and I feel slightly more responsive, but the, the whole thing, because it, it can condense, which is also, I guess, a good thing. You, you know, you can, you can kind of fold it in on itself. So it's smaller uh, for storage. Um, but, but because of that, when you're playing, if you start to mess around with it, which I can't help but do, it's kind of wiggly. Like the it, razor. Yeah. The, and the backbone isn't, it's pretty, I mean, I know you said there's a little flex there, but like the, yeah, the razor backbone doesn't shrink as small as the razor. So I think it, it has a backbone, <laughs> it's yes, like a little so more they, rigid. Right. And so you can, if you were to take that while you're playing and sort of, you know, stress the handles on the backbone, there's a tiny bit of give on the Kishi, Kisha, I keep forgetting what it's called. It's the razor controller. Uh, there's a ton. It's like really all over the place. Uh, but again, if you're playing normally, you wouldn't notice that. It's just once you notice it, if you're me, then you keep doing it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I'm super impressed. Like, uh, and especially for like GeForce Now, I, I think I'm going to play a lot of uh, Cyberpunk that way. Like mm. if I'm able to, like that's the plan. It's just like do and again this goes back to ubisoft connect too and just cross progression and of course i love the cloud but like yeah i'm gonna sit down and do a big meaty story mission in valhalla at my computer but i want to play i'm just gonna go explore now and grind and do all the stuff and all that just comes over all that experience it's great i love it very cool uh all right um we're running long but i do want to real quickly real quickly do a little bit vr time I got to talk about a new VR release that happened this week. Uh, It is a, I believe, free upgrade to Pistol Whip, which is one of, I think, the best VR experiences out there. You can play it on Quest. You can play it on any any of the headsets on PC, of course. Um, PSVR also. PSVR as well. Yes, right. PSVR. Although I, I don't know how good the tracking handles that game, but I haven't played I have it. Confidence. I just know you can play it. <laughs> yes, it is available on that platform. Uh, I have confidence in Cloudhead Games, one of the best VR developers. Um, they do the gallery games as well. So, so, so good. Pistol Whip is phenomenal. It's kind of this mashup between something like a Beat Saber and, uh, and it, you know, it, it, it's Beat Saber with guns, basically. Um, and oh, it's like mashup between Beat Saber and Super Hot is how a lot of people have described it, which I think is accurate. But up to this point, it had just been a cool song in a really cool virtual environment, moving at a pace, trying to get all the bad guys before they get you. You know, you're, it's, it's a big shooting gallery, but you're moving through it. You're not even controlling your movement. You're just going 
and it, to the music, to the beat, there are enemies that pop out from all these places and you got to shoot them before they shoot you. Super fun, really cool, a variety of levels, a variety of music. But now they just released a campaign which adds story elements. It ha- adds a whole bunch of new graphics and new songs that bring you through this sci-fi story of this uh, person who you know is breaking out of this environment, getting augmented and having to defeat these android robot stuff. It, it, the story itself is is cool. It's cool, and it's it's presented with um, some great art and really cool voiceover narration. But just the fact that there is a story at all completely elevates the experience to me. For some reason, just having a structure, just having a campaign to play through brings me through the experience in a way that the standalone musical levels didn't. Even though I played the crap out of the game and loved it, I still am just overjoyed to move through the game. And each level sort of has new elements that are informed by the story like this i think the second level you they steal your ammo so you have to defeat all the enemies just by punching them just by smacking them uh, and you have to dodge all of their shots at you so you're it's more of like this crazy you know bullet hell excuse me bullet hell kind of neo in the matrix bending over backward avoiding all the gunshots thing because you're defenseless, you know, you're just, you're just having to get through there as fast as possible. Cool ideas, great new graphics, completely elevates Pistol Whip to me into a absolute must-have VR experience. Christian, have you tried this yet? No, I updated it. My, uh, I got my I Oculus got out, and my Oculus was like, you haven't used me in a long time. And I was like, I got it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know what time of the year it is, Oculus? Do you have any idea? Just relax. So it's there. They've been great with just other non-narrative levels too. Like the free content added to Pistol Whip has been has been phenomenal. And I'm also, I won't lie, I've watched a lot of uh, Tetris World Championships. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pistol Whip 2089 is a huge recommendation for me. If you've if you got a Quest Two or really any any headset, if you have any headset, you should be playing this game and you should check out 2089. I think you'll love it. It's it's. Really one of the best VR games and Cloudhead continues to wow me. So there you go. Uh, all right. Let me thank our final sponsor here, which is Brooklinen. Oh, my sheets. We just washed our sheets uh, two nights ago. And my goodness, crawling into crisp, freshly laundered Brooklinen sheets. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. You know that they are the home of the Internet's favorite sheets. My favorite sheets. But guess what? They're also doing towels now. I just got the new fluffy, fluffy towels. They're like super absorbent, high-end towels. I got them for my kids, and they love them. They're like curling up inside the the towels when they get out of the bath because they're these like incredibly fluffy, very um, comfortable. It's like being wrapped up in a, you know, in a in a hug, in a wonderful hug. Uh, it gives your daily routines a little something extra with varying levels of plushiness. The towel of your dreams is waiting to wrap you up. It's certainly wrapping up my kids. Uh, it's, and, uh, and with all your extra time at home, probably a good idea to invest in a little extra softness and absorbency. I got to tell you, they are so soft. <laughs> they are so soft. My kids absolutely love them. I, uh, I got to get some for myself now because I'm jealous. 
to be honest, I did get them for myself. And then uh, the kids just like <laughs> them so much that they now are the kids' towels. So, <laughs> Daddy, there. we want the plushy ones. Uh, Daddy, we want the soft ones. Uh, Brooklinen is the perfect place to find all the comforts for home, including ultra soft towels. And they are so confident in their product that everything comes with a lifetime warranty. You use promo code DLC for 10% off your first order at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DLC at checkout. Try them. I think you're going to like it. You deserve it. You deserve the plushiest towel, the softest hug. Let Brooklinen give you a soft hug. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, we do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Brian Crescente, thank you so much for being here, sir. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for having me, as always. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the things you do online. Well, uh, you can find me at Pad and Pixel. That's uh, just spelled out, Pad and Pixel. That's my private website, or I guess it's not private because I just told everybody about it. Um, <laughs> personal is what I meant to say. Uh, also, I have two podcasts now. One is called Long-Legged Beasties. It's all about horror movies. And the other is called Bits in Bricks. Uh, and it is all about uh, Lego video games. And also, of course, you can catch me on Twitter uh, at B, as in Brian. All right. Christian Spice, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Well, if you're allowed to stand six feet away from me, you can hear me passive aggressively trying to reinforce to my kids that the plural of Lego is Lego, despite their insistence to add an S on the end of it. Um, it is a fight. They're Lego I, bricks. It's Lego bricks. It's <laughs> Lego bricks, Lego group. And don't you forget it. I, I will not let them, like, have you seen our Legos? And I'll be like, I have not seen your Lego. Come at me, kid. Um, <laughs> um, Twitter's the best way, at Spicer, S-P-I-C-E-R. Um, my plan is to start streaming some cyberpunks when it shows up. So I'm very excited to uh, dive in on that. And then I posted um, this past week, you can find them up on Twitter, but showing off Luna and um, GeForce Now and kind of bouncing between showing off the backbone and playing with that. It's um, the, the future's a wild place. Also, total aside, I love the way Pistol Whip was like, 2077, <laughs> hold my beer, 2089. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but Twitter's the best way, at Spicer. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, and I have several other shows for you to check out if you're so inclined, including a movie and TV re review show called The Slash Filmcast. We're doing Mank this week, which is the new David Fincher. You can find that at slashfilmcast.com. I also do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns alongside Anthony Carboni. You can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. And my uh, long-form storytelling Dungeons & Dragons show where I'm the DM making up the story for the cast. Uh, boy, I'm proud of that show. You should check it out. It's called The Dungeon Run. You can find it on, well, anywhere you get audio, anywhere you get uh, your podcast, you can get it, the audio version. It's kind of like uh, listening to an audio book. I recommend the audio version. It's great. There's Live music, uh, original music composed. It's amazing on the fly by these two wonderful uh, musicians. Anyway, check that out. The Dungeon Run, anywhere you get podcasts. Or you can watch it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run there. Or live when we record Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. Uh, all right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. 
Brian, do you have a recommendation to help people get through their week? Yes, two books. Uh, Paranisi, which is the it's been out for a little bit, but it was written by or has, yeah, it was written by Susanna Clark, who wrote uh, Jonathan Strange and Mister Norrell. Oh uh, yeah, great book. Very uh, very intriguing book. I highly recommend it. Uh, and that got me on this fix where I started reading a bunch of books around uh, different types of mythology, and that led me to Circe, which I just finished. Uh, that one's written, uh, by the person who wrote a, uh, the song of Achilles, if you have heard of that, but Circe's, uh, Circe basically tells a story of Circe from Greek mythology from her perspective. Super cool book. I highly recommend it. Awesome. That's Circe and Piranesi. Great, great recommendations. Christian, what about you? It's Zeus and Prometheus. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One is the Greek god and the other is a not very good alien prequel. Um, Leslie Odom Jr., a.k.a. Aaron Burr, a.k.a. Got Milk, um, has a Christmas album that is out. He, Leslie played Aaron Burr in Hamilton and is just, uh, in my opinion, a phenomenal performer, just uh, scene stealer in every in every regard and his christmas album is phenomenal as you would expect it to be dude's got pipes so if you're looking for a new christmas album also i'll throw out mariah carey's apple plus apple tv plus christmas special here as well if you're looking for an, a new christmas album to get into the rotation i highly recommend leslie odom jr's the christmas album very very cool um, my recommendation is a show that's been, I guess it's been around a little while, but somebody on Twitter recommended it to me and it is my particular sensibility, uh, i.e. goofball, uh, is a show on Amazon prime called the goes wrong show. This is a, uh, a British show, basically an amateur theater group, uh, every single episode, it's a half an hour, uh, and it's an amateur, amateur theater group putting on a one act play every week of a different play. And everything goes wrong. Uh, it's basically like the third act of Noises Off, which I adore and performed, um, but without any uh, without any setup. It's just like everything goes wrong. They're trying to do first episodes a horror one, the second episode is like a World War II drama, and everything goes wrong. Everything breaks. Uh, the the actors mess up. The the but it's done really really smartly and very very funny. Uh, it's called the Goes Wrong Show. I recommend it. We also got a listener-suggested parting gift. This was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Ryan. Ryan says, hey, guys, I have a parting gift suggestion. Every time I hear Jeff talk about Mr. Show, which is my favorite sketch comedy show of all time, uh, it is one of my favorite shows of all time, too. If you like that show, I think you may like, I think you should leave on Netflix. It's It's only one season, and the episodes are under 20 minutes, but I laugh the entire time. I rewatched each episode at least a dozen times during this tough year. Thanks, and I love the podcast. Thank you, Ryan. I am also a fan of I Think You Should Leave. There's some classic. There's a sketch about a, a toilet with a tiny hole that makes me cry laughing every time I watch it. So, yes, I dig that as well. I Think You Should Leave on Netflix. If you'd like your suggestion read on the show, please send it to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Brian Crescente and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. Thanks to our live chat room for correcting us numerous times and making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. And thanks to each and every one of you who listen to the show. 
We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.